0: Uh, Well, good morning, Timothy. Good to be back with you here for our next podcast. We uh, dropped everybody off into doom and silence last time.
1: And bodies. And and bodies.
0: (laughs) And it was an amazing, amazing scene in a powerfully negative way. And uh, we help people through that. And one of the things that is really interesting is that Right back to back, and I'm I'm just um, I'm uh, segueing real quickly here, Timothy, into this into this scripture here. But you have back to back the word silence, and then hear. Yeah. So so Amos Amos says, okay, everything's going to be silence, and now he's going to tell you why, and he wants us to listen in and understand this really so that it doesn't happen to us isn't that what's going on here Timothy well that, that that's exactly right and it's and it's really interesting too because not only is it following on the heels of that massive powerful shaking vision you know that was vision number 4 but it's it's also leading into vision number 5 so you you have this really this last word from Amos um it's a very specific sermon that he really, really, really wants us to hear so that we don't fall into these sins. So we have this Shema, this call to hear, hear this. And and Amos, it you know, he's kind of repeating himself a little bit. And he and he's gonna address the same sins that we've heard before, only now he's gonna get into um the the merchants. You know, the merchants. Yeah, a little bit that... different demographic here. A little mm-hmm. bit different demographic we're looking at. This isn't the nobles. This isn't like uh Israel and Judah in a general way, as we've seen in the past. Um he's not going after women in this case as we Judges. talked about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, politicians. Yeah. So so we're looking at the business class now. Yeah, so Amos has got a word for lots of different classes of people. But it sounds really similar to what we, we looked at at chapel, chapter 2. Remember that where we, we kind of cracked the joke that they preferred um, crocs or sandals mm-hmm. over the needy? And, and Amos is going to repeat that word and says, Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land. And um, he, he's he got this word for the people who would rather have money <laughs> than their <laughs> brothers. <laughs> Yeah. If so we go, we're going to get, uh, isn't it true, Timothy? We're going to try to, th- that's just a real brief introduction here. Sure. But we are going to try to handle the rest of the chapter today and Let's see if we pretty can. pretty aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> so <it'll be> Amos <laughs> we'll see what eight. happens. Amos 8, starting at verse 4, all the way to 14. But just to give everybody a sneak preview, here's why you should stick around. We're going to talk about um the spiritual significance of money. We're gonna look at uh really the role decreation, what really decreation or the uh, you know the tearing of the fabric of creation can really teach us. And uh they're we'll look at the importance of the word of God for our lives and what it means when God takes it away. So we have a lot of so a much lot of really <laughs> a, a lot of cool stuff here and and uh that's why we segued right into it. We should get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do it. So look, we we heard the hear hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor, and and then he's going to make it clear already in verse five who he's addressing and and it's the people, the merchants. So when we when will the new moon be over? They're saying that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat, skimping on the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings of wheat. So he's really going after the merchants. And what's the sin here? Like specifically, what's the sin? <laughs> well, yeah. Or who are the many sins? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I was saying like we got we got a number. Of, we got a seventh commandment here. We got a third commandment. What's the seventh it's commandment sin. again? Here we go. We got, you know, do not steal, right? And mm-hmm. then we got. Uh, remember the Sabbath day. Yeah. That's the third commandment, and we got that one being broken too. Those are the clearest ones here. But uh, and I, Amos is what we talk about. Amos's rhetoric. But um, what's really funny about this and and really stinging about this is A- Amos quotes them back. <laughs> yeah, he you know quotes the him. merchants are saying, and this is what they say. When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat? And what's funny about that is they already knew the answer to the question. So they, they're uh, <laughs> so they're sitting in worship. Like it's not. <laughs> they're, they're it's not in, like they didn't know, you know. Yeah, they're they're sitting there in worship, you know, listening to the pastor preaching. And they're, they're, they're just bored out of their minds and they're thinking, I want to go make money. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather make money than hear the word of the Lord. So, and, and, and so what, they, what we have here is we can talk about, I think we can distinguish between the sins that are here. I think what you have here are two surface sins, you know, and the surface sins are, one, I'm going to sit in church and be wishing it was already over. And then, and then so I can go make money. And then two, I'm really going to steal from my brother and I'm going to do everything I can to do it. And the reason the underlying sin here is, is the sin of trusting money. That's it. Mammon. Mammon. Yeah. So Jesus, yeah, Jesus called it, called it mammon. And so just to explain Timothy, like you got skimping the measure, boosting the price cheating with dishonest, uh, so, so you got, you remember when hurricane Katrina came through <laughs> and all of a sudden gas prices went sky high. So you got price boosting here. You got price boosting here. Mm-hmm. You you got giving people less product than they, than they thought they were getting. And, uh, you got people rigging the scale. So when you put grain on one side, you put cut some kind of weight on the other side, maybe you file off some of the fat or whatever they're using as a, as a weight so that you can get less grain. And it, it makes me think about like, you know, when you or whatever, I mean, maybe that's a Southern chain or whatever, but you go to the grocery store and, uh, you got, you got, the. You got these cereal boxes <laughs> or you got Doritos. That's the one that really gets me. Open up the bag and you're like, oh, there's two Doritos in there. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of what you got going on here is you got this. Uh, you got people being being cheated. I'm not saying Doritos is cheating you. They tell you seven ounces or whatever. In your <laughs> bag, but you just don't realize that seven ounces is not enough to feed you know, your two-year-old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They make the bag a little bit too big. <laughs> yeah. And they even do that at the expense of health. Like, I think we can notice there that they're selling the sweepings with the wheat. So you have, you know, the, really the leftover or nasty uh, you know, chaff ridden wheat on the on the floor, and they're sweeping that stuff up and putting it in there, which I'm sure the FDA, if it would have existed back then, wouldn't allow. You know. Well, you know, the, the saddest part of this is that it's not like these people are going to the market to these merchants to buy like you know dill pickle f- um, flavored chips. They're they're going to buy the most basic necessities for their life they're trying to buy bread hmm. and they're they're cheating these poor people out of a basic life necessity and yeah and and the lord's just not having it he's just he's just not having it we can't have this right yeah and especially i mean let's i i do want to mention this timothy and i don't a little bit more, but what's driving it is these people have their God and it's not the Lord. It's money. That's where everything always gets messed up is right there, right in that point. Like whenever the Lord is not your God, something else is and and you're going to hurt other people because of it. It's right there. That's the beginning of all sin. Yeah. And your heart is just you know, owned by this thing, and that's what that's what Jesus was talking about too. And one of the things people say, and it's correct, is that Jesus talked so much about the spiritual significance of money, and it's not because he necessarily wanted us all to be poor, but because he knew that uh, money, almost more than anything else, it promises the same things God does but never actually delivers it. You know, it's it's so seductive. (laughs) It promises you significance. You know, if you have enough of it, people are going to look to you like you're important and give you power. If, if you have enough of it, you can be secure in your life. You know, you're going to get the best hospitals. You're going to get the best doctors. You can be comfortable. That's the promises it makes. It, It promises you, um, that you're going to be okay in your retirement or, you know, it makes all kinds of promises to you Uh, seemingly, 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 seemingly. seemingly. And 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 so you begin to trust it. I I see this coming up in my ministry over and over and over again, especially, especially in marriage. It's really amazing. Like, you know, you take people through premarital counseling and it's like a fight. It's like the biggest fight in the world for people to share a bank account. And like, you know why that is? It's because uh, the people that they want to marry, like the the, the person they love most in the world, they don't want to share their money with that person. Because maybe wife is making more than husband or whatever it might be. And, and you just want to shake them and say, look, don't you love the person next to you more than your money? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like they're cheating their own spouse. You know, we, we have this happening, not with complete strangers, but with your spouse, you know. And what's so beautiful about Amos is he does shake us. We all have to look at our own money personalities. Are we savers? Are we spenders? Are we, you know, are we this? Are we that? And we have to look at what are we trying to achieve through that? Are we trying to give, you know, if we're spenders, are we spending money because um, I have guilt in my life or I want significance with the clothes that I wear? And like, what's driving it all? And then repent of that and say, look, the Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my God. Money is not. Money's ultimately going to fail me. The savers, too, they have to take a look and say, why do I have to save all this money? Is it, is it because I, that's how I feel secure? cuz right. I got I got that 30 grand sitting in the bank for the rainy day. You know. You can go through all the money profiles and show a deep sin that's attached to it, and I think we all have to do that. Mhm. Yeah. Otherwise, and... we're the ones sitting in church going, you know, when can this thing be over so I can get out there and make money? Which is really what my life is about. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh man, the one, the one. This is where I want to leave it, and then we should probably move on. Is think of what a what a nasty, nasty God money is. The people who, who for whom it's their God, it leaves them distressed, sad. Um, their souls impoverished. You know, talk about being rich, right? It leaves your soul absolutely impoverished the mm-hmm. people who they you know they skip church and they skip church i got to work i got to work i got to work i got to pursue my career they're always worse off for it they look haggard worn <laughs> well and they can it doesn't it doesn't buy eternal life it doesn't buy your way into heaven i mean what does it really buy it doesn't buy happiness as they say and it doesn't and this is this is a segue into the rest into the rest of the scripture it lies to you about your own spirituality we are people who are built and sustained by the word of the lord yeah we have to we are spiritual beings above all else i mean we have to talk about that later but um we impoverish ourselves when we pursue anything but that so so really what we've seen so far is what like what i would call is the crime this is the crime and it's it's an idolatry of money. And then really in the rest of the chapter, starting at verse 7 there, is the result. So the consequences of this sin. And Amos is going to say it, you know. The Lord has sworn by himself the pride of Jacob. I will never forget anything they have done. And it's like, boom. He throws down the gauntlet. I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget. Which I, should, I think we should point out, Timothy, that is the, this, is the, this is ultimate law. You know, this is, I'm not going to forget, because the ultimate gospel is I will forget what you've done, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he, this is the ultimate law, the exact opposite of that, which is I'm never going to forget. Mm-hmm. And so then what he does is he goes on to describe the consequences. And he, he's going to talk about a shaking that happens of the earth. He's going to talk about a darkness that comes. He's going to talk about a death that comes. And he's going to talk about a famine that comes. So it's it's like all of these plagues that we've seen so often throughout this book are they're going to come in the most devastating kind of way. and And it's just amazing. Like you have these comparisons in there. Like when he talks about the shaking that's going to come. Like this massive earthquake. Will not the land tremble for this and all who live in it mourn? the whole land will rise like the nile it will be stirred up and then sink like the river of egypt so it's not a flooding there it's actually a shaking and it's going to be an earthquake that's so bad so so bad that it, the land's going to move like it's water like the nile that's the, yeah like the nile not just this isn't just like the flooding nor the nile would rise 25 feet you know, when it was in flood stage, exactly. And everybody knew in the ancient Near East, like that thing would spread out massively and it would turn over. I mean, you can, you think about like a river Delta, it would just turn over everything, stir up everything and leave behind this (laughs) awful stench, you know, all this Mm -hmm. decaying, rotting death, dirt. Yeah. You know, everywhere. And, uh in in one sense, I I wanna I wanna just bounce this off you. In, in one sense, um it's the prophecy of an earthquake. But Timothy, does it also remind us of is it also a metaphor for the Assyrians that come? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um certainly there's going to be an exile that happens. Amos has talked about that. I really do think that this is a real earthquake that's going to come. And just I say that because at the very beginning of the book, that's what Amos says. He's going to come and he's going to shake. Um, that, that's uh, already um, in verse 1 where it, where it says, Israel two years before the earthquake, the earthquake. So it's the earthquake that everybody knew about. And I think that's that's what we have here um it but i I think you can think about all the different seismic quakes that we have in the bible um it makes me think about Good Friday, like the Gospel of Matthew connects yeah. Good Friday with shaking and and then of course, on Easter morning there's a great it says a great seismic seismic yeah yeah, it's the same type of stuff. So the shaking's happening there. And that's a good kind of shaking, a salvation kind of shaking. This one's one in judgment. Yeah. So the idea, really the idea that comes attached to earthquakes and, and all these other, um, significant creational events that we're about to get into is you have a turning over of the world order. And in this case, it's one for judgment. Yeah. So you you got your shaking uh, and then Amos is going to say, now, now I'm going to give you darkness. So he says, verse 9, in that day, declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. So darkness. Now that's an interesting verse. Here, Here this is theophany, so God's appearing on that day. And what you have is darkness at noon. yeah which is yeah is that so there's this big giant question mark out there is that good friday well your mind has to go there your mind has to go there it does is this a is this a prophecy because that's finally where we see the whole world order turned over and you have the beginning of the new creation and that truly is a day of mourning and a day of judgment for all sin, right there. Yeah. And you have creation being undone, you have the fabric of the, of the shaking, you know, all the uh, physics of the universe are you know, sort of snapping in half. mm-hmm. So shaking, darkness. I mean, we've heard this stuff from Amos. This is like the he's recapitulating everything. He's bringing it back, and then he's going to say, "Now it's time for death. I will turn your religious festivals into mourning, and all your singing into weeping. I will make all you, all of you, wear sackcloth and shave your heads like Job. You know, I will make that time like mourning for an only son." So another comparison, like before, it was. The, the this massive or earthquake the land's going to be like the nile but now you have this massive incredible sadness that comes like when a parent loses their only child so and it's i mean we have to look at it in with a little bit more deeply than that too cuz what you have here is complete emotional flipping you got mourning uh replacing singing and things like that and then what you have here is you have mourning for an only son, which we, we have to understand culturally, the only son was, that was the aspiration of the family. Like if he can make it, we're all going to make it, you know. And, but, but if he dies, we're all going to die. Because it's not yeah. like you have, it's not like you got a 401k waiting for you, you know. You got your son. That's and it. he's going to provide for you in your future. And so what God is clearly saying is that you don't have a future? You know, it's over for you. You're there's, done. There's no, there's no 401k for you. This is it. And so not only do you lose your son, but you are completely losing your future. Everything's gone. And it's just a devastating thing. I, it makes me think of what happened in that one story in Luke's gospel where Luke emotionally describes this woman who's taken her son. And and she's gonna put him in the ground. She's already lost her husband and it's her only son. Luke says, and it's just this very devastating thing. And Jesus is moved, and he touches the coffin, and the and the and the son sits up. You know, because that's that's God's love. But here he's 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 saying, um, because of your sins, uh, because of your running after money, um, I'm taking it all away. Yeah, it's almost like you want to be Ebenezer Scrooge. You can be Ebenezer Scrooge. Let's see how far it gets you. Mm-hmm. See what it can buy. So, like, you have God's presence is going to cause a shaking. It's going to cause a darkness, and it's going to cause a death, and it's really bad. That's what you see in those comparisons, like a mourning for an only son, and then, and then at, it's like do damned if you do, damned if you don't, because then God's going to take his presence away. You notice that? Like if, if God's with you, you're damned, you know, you're, you're just done. But yeah. If he's not with you, you're done too. <laughs> like, come on. And this isn't <laughs> In fact, that's what we say. Finally, that's what we say. The experience of hell is, isn't it? It's separation from God and his blessings. And so now God's saying, I'm, I'm going to remove myself from you and And the way that I relate to you, which is through his words. (laughs) So yeah, so a famine. That's what he he describes. It's going to be a, a famine. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of the hearing, of hearing the words of the Lord. People stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Uh, and here you go. One of the, Again, per, perhaps, do you think it's fair to say, let me just ask you, do you think it's fair to say it's the harshest judgment of all? To me it is. To me it is. I, can, can, I just, can we just start like this and, and say, one of the things that Jesus teaches us about our nature, and, and he does teach us about our nature and who we are and, and how we can really flourish, is he says, <laughs> we are primarily spiritual beings. You know, we are not, we're not like, like my dog. She's fine. It, you just give her water, give her food, let her out, let her play. She's fine you know Mm -hmm. she's primarily uh just a she's a creaturely creature that's all she is and i love her and i care about her but that's all she is she doesn't she doesn't need emotional support (laughs) (laughs) she's she's got but what what the scriptures teach us about our nature is that we are primarily spiritual beings we we are primarily in need of having our souls supported with words that come from God, his love and his kindness and, and, uh, him speaking life into our souls. And when God takes that away, you know, what I'm trying to say is we're not just a mess of brain chemicals instinctually reacting to our environment. We are people who need true spiritual water and true spiritual bread. And God's saying, I'm going to take it away. And that's a devastating thing. Like, I can't even think, like, if I didn't have God's word, if I didn't have God's word, what a mess. What a mess I would be. Um, it would be like um, a wa- I'd be a walking dead man. <laughs> and I, yeah. am, I am that if I, if I don't have God's word every single day to be corrected and comforted about the love of God and his mercies in my life. And so when yeah, Amen, what if I didn't, what if we didn't know? I mean, just play it out. Like, what if we didn't know that we should be faithful to our wives? What if we didn't, what if we didn't know that? What a mess. What would we, we make of it? We'd have sad, ripped apart, devastated lives. What if we didn't know that God forgave our sins? And wanted to give us hope in a future. What kind of addictions would we fall into? What kind of spirals would we pursue? What kind, of, what kind of permanent depressions and anxieties we would suffer? And the worst anxiety of it all would be you'd go to bed at night and be like, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. You know, I don't know. I don't know I, how God feels about me or I actually I this think word. I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't have this word from God that can speak to my sin and death. So all you have left then is sin and death. That's it. And it's just it's it's something that you just don't ever want to have to experience, you know, like a, a place where there's just no place to hear the word of God where there's this devastating famine of it you know it's just and L- luther talks about this a little bit it's a very famous quote a lot of a lot of i'm, I'm just going to read it. it says germany i'm sure has never before heard so much of god's word as it is hearing today so he's talking about the reformation certainly we read nothing of it in history if we let it slip Buy without thanks and honor. I fear we shall suffer a little more dreadful darkness and plague. O my beloved Germans, buy with the market. Buy while the market is at your door. Gather in the harvest while there is sunshine and fair weather. Make use of God's grace and word while it is here. For you know that God's word and grace is like a passing shower of rain, which does not return where it has once been. It has been with the Jews, but when it's gone, it's gone, and now they have nothing. Paul brought it to the Greeks, but again, when it's gone, it's gone, and now they have the Turk. Rome and the Latins also had it, but when it's gone, it's gone, and now they have the Pope. And you Germans need not think that you will have it forever, for ingratitude and contempt will not make it stay. Therefore, seize it and hold it fast, whoever can." And those are prophetic words because, can you, you know, you look at the state of Germany, the place where it was so rich with the gospel. And you think, you know, it's, it's really not there anymore. I had a young man. He was on an internship here in Aiken from Germany. And he was coming to the church for, for about six months during his internship. And it was really interesting. He said, you know, all the, all the churches in, in Germany are empty. And he's when he, it was just so interesting. Like even the churches that were had some sort of life in them, they were still impoverished. He said he'd never heard preaching actually from texts out of the Bible. Like they just read, they trotted out old sermons and they'd read them in the pulpit, and that's that was the best spiritual life they had was sort of the old the spiritual, leaning on yeah, the old spiritual life from before and. Um, you know, I, I want our listeners to, to be so warmed right now and so called right now that here in our churches, there is real life. There is true gospel. There, there is true word of God to be had and to be held and um, to cherish. It's our, yeah. It, and it's our calling in our generation to hold to it. And just be so thankful, Lord, you've given me hope, Lord, you've given me a future, Lord, you have showered your word upon us, and just to receive it in faith. Because that's, I mean, if you look at, if you just kind of unpack what's happening here um, in most of this chapter is God, uh, God is just so sad inside because everybody's just despising his word. Right. You guys want money instead of money. Well, you don't want to, I gave you the Sabbath because I want you to know I'm going to take care of you, <laughs> you know. I'm going to hold up your spiritual life, and you spit on it. Okay, yeah, and then he says, "Okay, here the word I'm taking my word away, taking it away." And so we have such an abundance, such an abundance of God's living word in our churches, and and you know, flock to church, flock to church, hear that word that we need so badly. Give thanks for it. Believe. Is believe believe Jesus when he tells you that man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God and believe Jesus when he says I'm the water of life i'm I'm the bread of life when you eat of me you're gonna live you know let's believe him what a privilege what a, what a sign of God's grace and mercy that we have this word I mean that's really why we started this podcast and I think we should probably start wrapping this podcast up but that's why we started this so that the 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 word would go out to every corner and, and um project 1517 right that this that's right this word of grace and mercy this word so powerful would would become a part of our lives even more right um so we got to we got to wrap it up that was amos chapter 8 we're going to pick it up with amos chapter 9 very last chapter Of the book, it's been a really fun journey with you, Jonathan, and whoever's listening. Thanks, thanks for joining us. If you found this podcast, it has been a blessing to your life. I mean, share it with your friends, text it over, um, give it a good review on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever Google Play, wherever you're listening. Um, Just do it on iTunes. Do a little search and give it a review because that'll help get the word out. Um, And and you know. I have nothing else to say, do you, Jonathan? That <laughs> was awkward i do I do want to leave it like this and just say to everybody, you know I'm thinking about Holy Week and just say, just remember all our listeners that Jesus is your true Sabbath rest, he's your true Sabbath what rest He's the one, and he does make you promises. It's on the basis of his life and his death where God, he reverses all of these threats and condemnations of the law. And he says, look, I'm your rest. God will forget what you have done in Jesus Christ. And he is the true bread. He is the true water for your soul. And he's everything that you need. And I just want all our listeners, finally, after hearing all this law, to rest in that gospel. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Please join us again.